Hey guys, welcome to the first episode of the Soccer Survival Guide. On this episode, Eric and I discuss what you should be looking for when choosing a club, a team, and a coach. Uh, we break it down into two parts. The first part being club and team, and second part being coach. Uh, we touch on a lot of subjects and a lot of different points that can be expanded on, uh, but we leave out some of the, the points that we felt were a little bit obvious. Uh, things like finances and logistics, uh, things that are going to be situational for whoever's listening. Uh, if you need a list of clubs in California, you can go to calsal.com and see what's in your area. Uh, from there, I recommend that you call the coach for the team you're looking at and ask to join a practice. Uh, if possible, go check out some of their games and do your research. Um, it's our first podcast, so we're still a little bit raw. Uh, I created this podcast to provide information and entertainment. Uh, I wanted to provide a platform where coaches could come on and showcase their knowledge and provide quality information for the consumer. Um, there's going to be something for everybody. Uh, so I hope you stick around and grow with us. Uh, with that being said, enjoy the first episode. Hey guys, how's it going? You're listening to the Soccer Survival Guide. I'm your host, Adam Gonzalez. Today I'm here with Coach Eric De La Rocha from uh, Rebels SC. San Diego, California. How's it going, Eric? Hey, what's up, guys? Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I'm excited to have Eric on board. Uh, he's a coach that I respect. Uh, he's a coach that I've known for for many years. I think probably what, Eric, would you say eight years possibly, maybe? Yeah, about eight. <laughs> eight years. So I've known him for a while, and and he's one of the first coaches that I thought of, of having on. He's a coach that's constantly learning, constantly adapting, trying to grow his craft so uh, I'm excited he's going to be bringing on a lot of knowledge a lot of information for everybody consuming the podcast so in today's episode we're going to be talking about topics that we hear about pretty often uh, what club you should choose what team you should be looking for what you should be looking for in a coach uh, very very important topics for the development of your child or if you're a player uh, Eric yeah it's uh very important for parents to to be informed because a lot of times, most of the time, when you're entering uh, and you're making a decision, uh, it's you're making a decision for a year. So uh, there's a lot of stuff out there that a lot of parents sometimes don't get, and I think just touching on these subjects uh, hopefully it gives people uh, like a, a sense of direction as to how to approach each one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's important. I mean, it's it's development of, of your child. I mean, it's your development as a player. A, a year goes by extremely, extremely fast. Um, and a lot of times people are lost. You know, they don't have that perspective. So, No, I agree. Um, and again, you're making an investment uh, in usually they're a year. So you want to make sure you make the, the best possible decision for the best interest of, of the child, you know. Uh, and hopefully we can help you guys with that. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's get into club. So uh, so what should you be looking for when when you're choosing a club? Well, we can start off with uh, to name a few things. What is their philosophy in terms of how they see development? Uh, what is their methodology? Do they have a methodology? Also. What is their structure? Yeah, let's let's definitely get into methodology. Yeah. Uh, I think I think that's extremely important. Um, we've, I mean, we've been doing this for, I don't know, maybe 
20 years combined, uh, maybe a little bit more, actually. I mean, we've been doing this for a while, and we've all seen the clubs. Yeah, we probably won't drop any names, but we've seen yeah. the clubs that they have their little island teams, yeah. and coaches are doing whatever you want. You're going to look, and some are just running laps, and you're going right. to have others that are doing things the right way. So when it comes to methodology, does the club have an actual structure, and do they have something that they're going to have the coaches passing on to the players. I mean, I, I think it's extremely important that we look for that. Yeah. And, and to add on to that with methodology, how, how is, um, you know, do they have a curriculum? You know, it's very important because if you have that curriculum, then coaches can now implement that methodology that the club is promoting into their teams, you know, and, and it gives it more consistency in what the club's promoting. So, you know, uh, curriculum, it's, it's, it's very, very important. And, but I, I think the other part about methodology is it gives a sense of direction on the, how they're going to train the child, how are they going to train, um, the team. And, and from that, you, you, you know, that you can give, uh, you know, you can start seeing, uh, you, sh you, you should know what to expect. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think when it comes to methodology, it's it's extremely important. I'll give you an example. I was at I was at uh, the Barça Academy for for a little bit, uh, and they had a really really nice system that they had in place. So they use a a watered down methodology from from Barcelona, right? It's similar to the same methodology that they're using at La Masia. And what happens is they have this the project manager that basically hands the drills right methodology to the coaches. And what ends up happening is that you have coaches that might not be as experienced as others, but they're still able to implement a good product for, for, for the players to consume. Um, just because, again, they're, they're giving them that methodology saying, hey, this is what we're going to be looking for. They give them an identity and say, hey, we're going to be a team that builds up out of the back. We're not going to be playing long balls. We're going to try to play short. We're going we're gonna to do So it's, it's really nice to see that, um, that built out, you know, through the whole club. Yeah. And, and again, I, it's a sense of direction, right? Uh, like mm -hmm. you said, no matter what the experience is from the coach, at least with that, they have a sense of direction of, of how to go about it. And the ones that are going to benefit are the kids because they're going to be learning uh, the same things that the most experienced coach is probably teaching the, the, his team, you know? Um, so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I was really excited to, to hear that Rebels, for instance, was uh, – was partnering up with APFC. Uh, for me, that was really exciting because that was going to bring, and we don't have a lot of that in the South Bay. We, we really don't. You know, in, 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 this, in San Diego, there's not a lot of clubs that are going to propose a methodology across the board and say, hey, this is the, this is the style we're going to play. This is how we implement it. Uh, so for me, it was nice seeing that Rebels was going to start doing that. That's a change that was really, really needed. Yeah, you know, with APFC coming in, uh, and having that partnership with Rebels. Because before APFC, Rebels was already a club whose philosophy was a certain attacking style, a, a certain identity, right? And what APFC was able to give Rebels is, again, is that curriculum of, of how to be able to to teach this to, to the kids, to the, uh, to the team. And, you know, all over the U.S., you know, everybody... A lot of times you're, you're looking to see 
how you can play possession, how you can play positional play, uh, how to how to go about it. And there was never really anything in the U.S. to right. to be able to give that uh, to how can I say it, to give that sense of direction to coaches, right? right. And APFC honestly just has been uh, a great, great uh, asset to have for us to be able to teach these kids and teach them how to play. Yeah, and let, let me let me jump in right there because there might be some that some people that don't know what APFC is, right? So APFC is the Albert Pooch football code. And and basically he was, correct me if I'm wrong, he was the the director at La Masia, right, in, in, in Barcelona. Yeah. And what he did basically was he, he, he left and developed his own curriculum that's very, very similar to the Barça methodology. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's 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 really good stuff. So we're happy that uh, that Rebels has that. Um, so other things that we should be looking for. So I think that was on the top of our list was making sure that the club had a methodology. Yeah. Um, but on top of that too, we want to make sure that there's accountability for the coaches because just because you have the methodology doesn't mean that exactly. the coaches are applying it. So one of the things that you know for for us is important is that the club holds the coaches accountable and makes sure that they're, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to when it comes to methodology. Absolutely. And again, as a, if I'm a parent and I want my child to grow and you know that this club is, is uh, promoting a certain methodology so the child can learn at the same time, I want to make sure that our, the coaches are applying it. Right. Mm-hmm. Because quite frequently, you know, a lot of coaches, you know, kind of do their own thing, right? So a lot of times you may have signed up for something and you thought you were going to get something, and now what's happening is that you're really not getting it, right? So accountability for coaches implementing that is very important. Right, and I think along those lines, along accountability, I would have to say also professionalism. You know, are mm-hmm. the directors professional? Or are they you know, are, are they answering you in a timely fashion? Exactly, and and the involvement of the directors to make sure that that the coaches are applying what the club is promoting, you know, and, and making sure that there's that consistency. I, absolutely. You know, it's very important. Right. So that's, I mean, that's a, it, it's an important step, right? Making sure that the, the, the directors are, are doing what they're supposed to in enforcing this methodology. So absolutely. Um, we're also looking for structure. I think that's important too. Yeah. Um, for instance, and we're using Rebels as an example because, you know, obviously Eric uh, is a coach for them and, and, and I help out too. I, yeah. I coach the developmental academy side with, mm-hmm. with Renee Chavira and, and Matt Emeritt. Um, but one of the things that we want to be looking at is is the structure. Do they have a good youth program? Yes. We have a, a junior academy mm-hmm. that we start with players from the ages of three all the way to about 12 years old. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's actually... One of the cool things uh, to hear is how many of the kids come out of that youth program, out of that junior academy. And you'll be amazed how sometimes in the junior academy you find some kids that that have it, man. They, they're, they're good little ballers. And, and, you know, that junior academy is, is allow, allowing us as coaches to, to find these kids and also allowing the, uh, an opportunity for those kids to be looked at, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and what I do like about the the junior academy right and in any club you should be looking for is that youth program is, is getting club level coaching right yes it, it's you know nothing wrong with with ayso for beginners exactly. um but at the same time too if you have the option of going to a club where they do have a youth program like the rebels junior academy yeah uh, you're going to feel better knowing that you're 
coach, for instance, has, has more experience than maybe a volunteer mm-hmm. at an AYSO program or yes. a YMCA. Exactly. And, and, and no shot at, at, at the yeah, recreational level coaches. It's just, again, for some of the um, these kids, right, that, that really love the sport, you know, it's it's an avenue for them to to be able to get looked at and join a, an actual club team, you know. Yeah, and, and along those lines too. So uh, aside from the junior academy program structure, let's talk about do they have a college program? You know, is, is I mean, it's big. A lot of people look at, it, especially in the U.S. You know, the U.S. The end result always isn't a professional contract. Exactly. A, a lot of the times, the end result is how many players do we get placed into college teams? Yeah. You know, in universities. Yes. So when you're looking at choosing a club, it's important that you see, hey, do they have a a system that I can go from the youth academy to into a college team, you know, am I going to get support? Is there going to be help? Are there resources being allocated to having my child be seen, you know, and as a player too, you want to be looking for that. Exactly. And, um, and with rebels, for example, and in a lot of clubs, you know, also are starting to have this is, you know, they have their, their college director. Right. And so, yeah, structure is very important, especially for the, for the parents, again, you're looking to invest in an environment where you have a sense of direction and, and clubs that have that structure. It provides that that avenue for the kids from junior academy, for example, all the way as they go through their phases of development and hopefully one day play college, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think with, with within that too, um, some of the stuff that you should be looking for on, on top of that structure is how, how do the facilities look? Yes. You know, are you going to be playing on a uh, on on dirt fields? You know, are you going to have nice turf? Yes. You know, nice nice turf fields, nice facilities. Um, it, it does help when it comes to development. Yeah. You know, if you have the opportunity of having very similar coaching and very you know, but you have the the option to have actual fields to play with. You know, you might yes. come across a club that doesn't have a lot of fields, and you're stuck playing in small spaces all the time. Yes. You know, um, that that's important as well. It's something that you should be looking at. Yeah, and facilities, I mean, I think the the important part is to make sure that the club is consistent with their facilities, right? Um, and that they have a good relationship with the city or who whoever it, they're running the, the field with because the last thing you want is to be jumping around consistently and not having a, a stabilized place to go train at, right? One moment you might have a good field, another moment you're having to practice at a, at a field that's just really rough, you know, and... So that does help to make sure there's that that stability with facilities. Right, absolutely. And let's talk about the name, right? So, for instance, there's, I mean, arguably probably one of the, the biggest clubs nationwide in San Diego. I mean, we're talking about surf. I mean, I think yes. everybody knows, right? So when we talk about a, a club, you know, make sure that it's age appropriate. So, for instance, yes. you know, if, you, if you're a player, right, or if you have a, a son or a daughter that's, that's eight years old, you know, don't be so eager to to make the trip to those bigger clubs like surf. Um, you know, if, if it just at this age, it's just not important. Yeah. I mean, like you want to make sure that it's age appropriate. Um, sure. Then if you're let's let's imagine that you're a 16 year old and you have the option between a bigger club like surf and a club that you're not going to have the same exposure. Because let's be honest, the the scouts, the yes. The college scouts, ODP scouts, they're going to be looking for for the bigger clubs, you know. So at the older ages, it should be something that you could take into consideration. Yes. But definitely don't worry too much about it at the younger level. Exactly. Um, one of the things is with 
with big names, right? Uh, it's it's just normal for you know people. It catches people's attention, right? But again, it's it's don't get so caught up in that, right? You gotta first look at, and we'll get into it in a little bit, but you gotta look at what phase or what 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 place your the player is in at that moment, right? So, you know, yeah, big big names are you know they stand out, but you know it's important to put emphasis on the stage that that player is in. Right, right absolutely. So I think let's let's kind of sum that up, right? Let, let let's take a little consensus and, and see what we agree on and, and disagree on. So for me, I think some of the key the big points, right? For me, is methodology. I think for me that's huge. Yeah. Making sure that the club has an identity and that they're yeah. trying to they're trying to have a, a methodology that all coaches can use and and, and have this this structure, right? Um, the accountability aspect for me is huge. Um, I, you see teams all the time that are doing their own thing and there's complaints all the time from parents that are saying well hey you guys are working on all these concepts and they're advanced and we're still working on pullbacks and you know and stepovers yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, so making sure there's a good accountability for me those are big ones what are some of the big ones for you i, I mean methodology to me is one of the one of the the ones that stand out the most because again that's that's what's gonna really impact the player right it's gonna allow the player to to learn and 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 again identity is another one like having an identity uh should be across the board with all the teams now like you mentioned there's a lot of a lot of people that do their own thing um i mean if this was 20 years ago every team had like their own thing going on right very rarely did a club have an identity so yeah man i, I think it's it's very important to to see the consistency in a club and make sure that like when you're looking at a club, what do they stand for? What is their style? What do they, how do they see the soccer for the kids? You know? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's, I think that's a pretty good, it's pretty good for, for, for club. Uh, yeah. You know, oh, real quick. Uh, one of the things also is scholarships, right? And, and the reason I bring that up is, you know, uh, how sometimes, you know, for some people it may not be, they may not have the resources, right? So that's another part to, to be able to see uh, if you're going to invest in something or you're going to sign up somewhere, you know, that might be an, an asset for you or might be something that a, a player might be looking because you might have talented players or players that are looking to be somewhere, but unfortunately they may not have the resources. So Right, so. And, and that's something too that we, we didn't really talk about, but I, we kind of just assumed yeah. that, that most people already took in consideration. Obviously, if, if, if a club financially is just not, not there for you, then, then, I mean, it's not. I mean, your only exactly. other options is scholarships. There's, yes. there's uh, certain fundraising stuff that you can do. Um, but for instance, there's, there's pretty big differences between some of the top clubs and in, in, in smaller clubs. I mean, we're talking about registration and some of the bigger ones close to two thousand dollars versus you know your smaller clubs you you might end up paying five hundred dollars exactly um so i mean budget's gonna really depend on you and 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 how that works but when it comes to scholarships the bigger clubs are gonna able to be able to offer more scholarships and it just comes down to you know the, the funding resources that they have yes um all right so team so when it comes to choosing a team so let's say you have it figured out right you, you know what you want to do with your club you say okay this is this club looks like it's right for me uh they have a nice methodology you know they're really professional that's all good okay perfect now we're looking at the teams right and and this can be confusing too because i mean there's there's some clubs that have 
you know, three, four, you know, you got, you got clubs with five teams sometimes, yeah, you know, yeah. a, a through F sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know, so, um, some of the things that you should be looking for, you know, when it comes to teams for me, for me, one of the big things, what is the need of the individual player? You know, when you're choosing the team, what should you be looking at? So for instance, we spoke about this beforehand. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's say for instance, you're choosing a team and they're a, you know, DA level team. Well, the DA is done, but if they were a DA level team, uh, and you might not be that, you know, that starter, you know, you might be on the bench. Well, should you be considering maybe the second team? You know, maybe you'll get more playing time, but you're not going to get that same level. So for me, one of the big starting points is what are the needs of the player when looking at the team? Absolutely. And actually working from that, again, you need to make a decision based on where a player is at and what, what is, what, where do they want to be a year from now, right? And a lot of times, again, depending on where they're at, you know, sometimes people make a decision and it's actually not going to fit what that player needed for that year, you know? Um, again, if you're a player that needs confidence, you're a player that needs, that needs playing time, you know, uh, to, to get back your confidence, to get back uh, and, and get better, um, you probably might want to consider the next team down, you know? Uh, but also, you got to weigh out your options when if you are going to go to the, the next team up or the top team, and you're may not going to be getting that those minutes that you that you you know thought you were. I mean, six months in, it gets kind of old eventually. For some, you know, you you're not going to have fun and being on the sideline. You're going to go grind every every day at practice, and you're going to be on the sideline. So your motivation is going to get might, sometimes might get you know get shut. So I'll I'll give you a, a personal experience that I had. So I had a player. Uh, we won't say any names. They're on the younger side. So I had a player that. The parent approached me, and the player had tons and tons of potential, uh, sp- speed, agility, just raw talent. Uh, technique wasn't there, didn't really have an eye for the game, uh, but I saw potential in the kid. And um, the parent approached me and asked me, uh, Coach, is it possible to practice with you guys? And I said, sure, yeah, come on come on board. Uh, obviously, I wanted to take a look at him. I had a good interest, and he ended up practicing with us for maybe a month, two months. Uh, I finally invited him on the team, but I told the parent I was really open with him. And I was like, you know what? I don't see, you know, I don't see him playing much. I'm going to be completely honest with you. But the parents were okay with that. And they said, you know what? We'd rather him be on your team and get the coaching than worried about playing. Because at that time we were playing 40-minute games. We were a U8 team. So we were getting, you know, 40-minute games. You're talking about 20 minutes a half Mm -hmm. versus we were playing sometimes practicing three times a week you know so when you add up you know an hour and a half times three you're talking about you know 4.5 hours Mm -hmm. versus a 40 minute game they said you know what we care more about the practice and the training you know being around players that are going to challenge him Mm -hmm. versus getting the playing time on saturday yeah and to add to that again i mentioned before that in some cases a player might be somewhere and their motivation is not the best because they've been in a, in a team where they weren't getting the minutes or then, and, and it just seems really hard at the, at that moment. So, but again, it all depends on that individual player. Okay. Um, like you mentioned, the, that player, 
they knew the goal they knew what they were trying to get because again for me you gotta you gotta look at it where do you want to be a year from now right so if that player and the parents understood that hey i'm gonna we're okay with being on this top team but we're understand that we're trying to get we're getting this top training we're getting this quality training then you know what you're getting into and but at the same time you know that it's part of the plan because you're going to be getting good training and that's really going to benefit right um but for that specific person that worked out again every every player has a different situation sometimes so you got to measure that out yeah so absolutely so i guess the, the main point there is just making sure that you're taking care of the need of the player, right? Yes. Or yourself, obviously. If you're a player that needs a little bit more confidence, then you 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 might want to take on that second team spot, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, or you might be looking for a lower team that might be playing in a league that's not going to be as competitive. Yes. Uh, another thing, too, so going into, you know, where the teams play, well, you know, what kind of commitment level mm-hmm. do you want to, you know, do you want to commit to to going to L.A.? You know, yeah. do, are you doing a CRL league where you're going to be playing in, in, in places all over? Um, it's it's a huge discrepancy when you talk about, you know, an A team versus a B team. You yes. have an A team that might be in an ECNL league mm-hmm. where all of a sudden the costs skyrocket Yeah. versus a team that, you know, a B team that might not be doing ECNL. That's doing, let's say, your Presidio, your SDDAs, that all of a sudden are more local. So, I mean, there's a huge difference between... A team, B team, when it comes to financial commitment and yes. when it comes to the commitment of the player, you know, you're going to have those, those parents that are not that interested. Uh, they have other things going on, maybe on the second team versus the parents on the first team that are, you know, hardcore soccer mm-hmm. parents, you know, the, yeah. that's what they live for. It's part of their lifestyle, you know? Uh, and it's very important again, that when you're weighing all these things out as, as a parent, I mean, you also got to ask yourself, and, and depending on the age as well too, like because also when you get when you get older, I think players gotta be more responsible for their game, right? But um, let's just say again, first team has to travel more, second team doesn't. But the parents want a first team, but with that comes a different commitment. So you 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 know you gotta know what you're getting into, um, and you you gotta understand what. Uh, where is that team playing? Because also you can be, oh, check this out. You can be on a second team or even a third team, but still be playing in a top flight. Right. Right. Yeah, we, we've seen that before too. Yeah. So, and, and when it comes to tryouts and, and picking a team, I, I one of the things I do promote is look at the level before what number the team is. Absolutely. You know, because there are some third teams and some clubs that, that are playing in a really good high level, you know? But because they're number three, they got that stigma, right? So again, I think people and uh, parents need to be aware of, of the level before the number of the team. Well, and let, let's get into a little touchy subject while we're at it. So like you said, you, you know, a uh, second team might be playing on the same level or league, right, as a, as a first team. Mm-hmm. And you might get a coach that's better on the second team than the first team. <laughs> you know, we... we <laughs> yeah. We've seen it done, whether the yeah. club shows favoritism towards, you know, a certain coach yeah. or for, for whatever reason, maybe the parents had a lot of pull and, and, and asked for a certain coach. Yeah. Um, you know, for whatever reason, I mean, it's something that you should be looking at. Yes. Uh, I, I've seen it often where, you know, I've recommended to the parents that they actually play on the lower division team. 
mm-hmm. you know um let's use our our, our rebels what was it the 006s mm-hmm. so for a while we had uh, camello Rene Chavira, and mm. also was it Sergio Hernandez? Yeah, I think all in the same age group. So I mean, we talked. We're talking about at one point within like the 06 age group, we had think three of the best teams in the nation yeah. in one age group. <laughs> so I mean, even if you would end up on a third team, you're still yeah. one of the best, you know, in the nation. Exactly. It, it, it's something that you do have to look at. Yeah, and don't get deceived again for for what the A, B, C, or the one, two, three again. You know, you, you look at the level and obviously the coaches will, which we'll, we'll get into, but, uh, you know, don't get caught up so much on the, on the, like I said, the ABC and D kind of thing, you know? Right. Uh, especially at the younger levels, at, at the older levels there, it, there's going to be a difference. Yes. You know, there's yes. going to be, you're going to get different exposure playing on a first team than a second team. Exactly. But again, that has to do with age mm-hmm. and you don't want to be too focused on it at the younger level. Yeah. And we're just talking about this right now, like in a broad perspective. Obviously, once you, we start talking about phases and, and ages and you, you break it down a little bit more. But this is just, again, we're, we're trying to mention this in general, right? Right. So. Yeah. Because, I mean, all these topics we can expand. I mean, we can have oh, yeah. hour-long conversations yeah. about each individual point. Exactly. All right. So another thing that we should be looking at is uh, roster size. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Because... You know, again, if if it's quite common as well for some teams to to carry over eighteen eighteen players, right? So again, look, you know, where's that kid at? Uh, what what age? What what phase are they in? Um, and again, yeah, it, it, everything should be a merit. Don't get me wrong. However, if you're gonna be in a your number twenty two somewhere, and there's a really high chance that you that you probably won't get the minutes that you thought you were. I mean. Or even suit up. I've seen yeah, that recently. Yeah, and, and, and about that, like if you have, let's just say you're number 22, you have to compete just to suit up. But just mm-hmm. because you suit up doesn't mean you're going to play. Absolutely. You know, so um, again, if you're a, a player that's 11 years old, I mean, you need to play. I understand what if, if you're like in a high-ranking team, national team or something, uh nationally ranked excuse me and that's and then you're on that roster you know 22 man roster i mean it's understandable that's a whole other level you're 17 years old or whatnot yes it's 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 a whole different thing but if you're talking about really young kids right yeah and and that i mean that goes into we we've spoken about rank you know how important is the rank Mm -hmm. um there's going to be things that that do come into play you know a, a number one team in the nation is going to have those scouts going to those games versus, yeah. uh, you know, one of the teams at a hundred in the nation. Yeah. Um, but how important is it for you at the, the younger level? To me at the younger level, it's, it's, it's about playing, right. Keeping the game. Um, kids play because they, they love the game, man. And little kids, if they're not playing sooner or later, they're going to get burnt. Then they're probably going to look away and be like, they don't want to do this. So at a younger age, at a younger age, uh, it's important to be somewhere where the, there's consistency, you know, and let's keep in mind, it should always be about merit. Absolutely. But a player, a young kid needs to be exposed to playing and not like trash minutes, like five minutes. Let's say a nine year old, mm-hmm. seven year old playing five minutes, 10 minutes a game. Come on, man. Like, really? Like, no, you, you should uh, 
kids at that if they're gonna train and you know they gotta get those minutes dude you know what do you think yeah i mean i agree i agree it's 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 again going back to you know talking about uh the, the pros and cons versus you know an a team b team um the the minutes are, are, are definitely definitely important and it's something that you're gonna have to weigh out yeah um so when it i mean when it goes to to, to ranking um Again, if you're that number 22, it doesn't matter if you're on that first team. You're not going to get looked at. Yeah. You know, if you're, <laughs> yeah. let's just be honest, you're not going to get looked at. It's, I mean, there's it, it's stuff that you have to take into consideration. Yeah. And it's going to be situational. I mean, we can't give you a clear answer, but it's something that we kind of want to, we want to give, ask the questions, right? So yeah. that you can go ahead and, and try to answer for yourself. And, and real quick, I just want to add to that. Like, these are things that happen. That's why we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. These are things that tend to happen a lot. So... Um, a lot of times some people don't have an idea that this is about to happen, you know? So I think the more we just talk about it, then people ha have an idea of what can happen and what they're, you know, if they do join a certain thing, they have a, they have a clear idea of maybe what to expect. Absolutely. And, and I just want to close out with the 22, you know, man roster kind of situation. If a player understands that what they're getting into and they're all about it and they're that number two, 22 player and they manage to stay motivated the whole time power to them man you know what i'm saying like that's 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 great you know but uh that's everybody's different again right not everybody's gonna respond to that because six months in is gonna get kind of old that you're not getting any minutes right absolutely i mean some players are gonna take that and it's gonna you know motivate them they're gonna, they're gonna look and say you know what i need to do more yeah i'm on the bench i gotta do private training i gotta go put in extra touches mm -hmm. uh you know I, some are gonna it's gonna feed them you know it's it, they're gonna they're, they're gonna be hungry to, to get that top spot and then there's exactly. gonna be other players that it's, it's gonna crush them you know they're gonna sit there they're gonna be hard on themselves and think you know i'm not good enough and mm -hmm. I, I mean if you're gonna be that 22 um you you have to you have to have some real mental fortitude absolutely. if, if you're going to be in that position. Yeah, and that's a whole other topic. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a whole another topic. Uh, and and starting to talk about twenty two and, and you know what kind of culture, what kind of culture is that team? You know environment. So are we looking at you know a, a toxic sideline where you're going to have people bashing each other? Or are you mm -hmm. going to have a, a sideline with with parents supporting each other and, and players? I mean, it's a coach's job. First Absolutely. and foremost, to to start developing that culture, mm -hmm. um, but it's extremely important. You don't, you know, for me, you don't want to be an eight year old and in here fighting on the sideline. I mean, I've seen it. Yeah, but, you know, playing it. at the ala and yeah. <laughs> you know, cops coming out to the game. It, yeah. it, it can be traumatizing for for some kids. Exactly. Um, well, you mentioned culture, and I think uh, that's probably one of the most important things uh, that a coach can establish for the best interest of the kids right um and yeah you gotta do some research and ask yourself what kind of team is this right because sometimes something some situations may be toxic right and and just for you know the general public that we're talking about i mean we're talking to right now is, is we're talking about in general like it could be a, a four team it could be a first team right like obviously each team has different situations different demands but in general right like um you don't want to say that this is this is exactly every team, no. But back to culture, like, is is the team that is okay? Here's a perfect example. What are, the players on this team? What is their mentality on being on this team? Are they players that just want to do the bare minimum? Um, are the parents 
parents that just want to do the bare minimum. What, what I mean by that, and that is just people that are not really driven. Well, going back to commitment, right? Absolutely, yeah, commitment. What is their commitment level like? What uh, are are you going to be around players that are just as hungry to improve? You know, uh, are you going to go to a weekend and players going to flake out? Absolutely, you're going to you know? be showing up, and there's going to be eight kids at practice. Exactly. Oh, and practice alone. How is mm. how how is the commitment level of that team? Because I'll tell you right now, you can you can have some. There's some teams out there that might have good players, man, but they they can they're flaky, man. They're flaky, and you cannot be in an environment like that and have a culture of excellence. Yeah, absolutely. You know, which we'll talk about another. Yeah, time. yeah. Again, those are yeah, those are. <laughs> I mean, topics that we're going to expand on eventually. But I, I, again, I think you know, summing up this this idea of, of culture, you just don't want to put yourself or your child or, or anybody in a situation where it's going to be toxic. Exactly. Um, I'll give you an example. I had a, had a really su- a successful team when, when I first started, uh, I had two boys that at 10 years old were offered spots in America down in, uh, down in Mexico. Mm-hmm. So this team had a lot of success. I had two girls on my team. Uh, we were pretty pretty well known. We were ranked nationally, so we, we, we were doing really well. Nice. And um, a lot of my players started getting, you know, invited to to experience these really good opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I had this player that was invited to go to Portugal to play in the Mundialito All right. uh, with with America, and then another one ended up getting called up for uh, with Chivas. Wow. So these players, they they go playing this tournament you know an amazing experience for them and i was extremely happy and they come back and some of the parents on the sideline were a little bit jealous you know complaining you know why is so and so starting he hasn't been here for practice but it wasn't you know it wasn't like he was off on vacation you know he was off playing yeah uh when some of my kids for instance out of that team i had i think four or five of them on the uh baja california selection wow so they were national champs of uh of mexico and when they would go and come back, I'd have, I'd have it all the time with the parents, you know, mm-hmm. if, if I'd start them, they'd be upset, you know, why are they starting? And if I'd bench them, mm-hmm. we might tie, we might lose. And they're yeah. complaining that we're losing. Uh, and this was at the younger age when I was still interested yeah. in what the parents had to say, obviously, <laughs> as I got older. Uh, yeah. Right. Check uh, out. Yeah. Check I, I, out. I, yeah. I checked them out. This, I was really young. I was, I think I was 18, mm-hmm. 19 when I had that team. Wow. Uh, so I was still, still learning. But again, the idea there was it was an environment where these parents weren't, you know, they were jealous of each yeah, other, you know, yeah. and the kids and the success and they weren't actually trying to help each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of the reason why, you know, it left such a negative taste in my mouth when it came to coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was unfortunate to see. So you definitely want to find an environment where everyone's supportive of each other and, yes. you know, everybody's helping each other out and, and they're happy for each other. No, I agree. I mean, again, especially with the younger kids, like, it, it, the environment should be optimistic, man. And again, merit, it's always about merit. You know, uh, I think in that instance with your kids, it's like, like you said, they weren't, it's not like they were out camping or just taking a, a month long road trip or something. No, they're out competing, uh, getting practice. Uh, and that's the, what it's about. It's about getting them to the next level. So it's not that they're not fulfilling their commitment with their current team is that, hey, man, this is an opportunity. They got the opportunity. So, I mean, that, that could be another conversation, but but for them to come back, if they're already the best players and they're committed, but again, they're not, they're not out, you know, hanging out or going to Disneyland or something like that. Yeah, they're, absolutely. They were doing soccer, you know. 
Yeah, so, so that, that's definitely something that you want to be you want to be aware of. You know, you you don't want your your child to be, you know, thinking about quitting soccer at ten years old. And you know what? I'm gonna add to that because it's it is unfortunate that as adults we create that environment for kids. You know, um, you know where where there's so much <laughs> tension, right? There's there's uh, you know, competition is good, but to be able to come to a sideline and, and, and everybody's just toxic, man. Like, I mean, to me as adults, that that's that's pretty shameful, especially when you're talking about little kids, man. Uh, no kids should be coming to a sideline. And, and, and also, you know, again, uh, uh, this, this can make an, a difference in t- the kid finally not wanting to play. Absolutely. And again, it's it's a matter of adults. Adults should not be the reason why kids don't want to play anymore. But that's another topic. That's all. Yeah. And so <laughs> again, a whole other topic. We're gonna we're gonna be giving you guys the the, the short version of everything, and, yeah. and we'll end up you know we'll end up talking about these exactly. in, in in depth. But and and I just want to add Adam uh, for the public is what we're talking about. Um, as you guys know, and you can already see it can go into other topics. It can branch out. And, and that's, I think that's one of the things about, you know, soccer survival guide is just, uh, getting these things out there and talking about it for people to just be informed, you know, because you can take one topic and break it down and make it like 20 bullet points, you know? So, uh, the good stuff will keep coming. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and, and for me, one of the, the most important, important aspects right of picking the team what's the style of play and this is i think oh, this yes. is the, this is the last and probably mm-hmm. most important one is is as much as the needs of the player because i think that was my first my first point i think this is even more important than yes. that right so what is the style of play mm-hmm. um for, for for me it's big i mean are you joining a team that plays kickball you know and, and your kid's a center midfielder mm-hmm. and they're being bypassed on every single play yeah. well I mean, you're already getting very minimal amount of touches as it is, you know, and you're being bypassed for kickball. Where's the development in that? Mm -hmm. Um, Style play is absolutely huge. You know, and just to add to that as well, let's say you, you, there's a player, there's a team that plays kickball, you know, and if you're that player that, that the go-to player that they play the kickball to, that they send it and you hear, send it, send it, send it, you know, Mm -hmm. if you're, right boot it mandala mandala right if your kid is 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 that kid they they send it to well guess what even in that system your kid is only getting used to one thing go chase the ball so again even style of play can impact even a talented player you know um or, or or a player that's already good somewhere like and and you also have to because this is the stuff that if 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 the team has an identity and it has a style, um, that's something that should be lived week in week out, not just when it's convenient, right? So this is what your child is going to be exposed to, or should be exposed to. But if if a player uh, if a team has a style of whatever direct or whatnot, you know, or or kick the ball, I mean, this is what you want your kid to be in week in week out. That's something to really to really. Uh, think about because which again this is style of play that can that's another topic juicy subject mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so just to kind of sum everything up so some of the key points that you should be looking for when it comes to choosing a team uh what are the needs of the player you know um 
again, do, are they in need of confidence? Maybe look for a B team, you know, do they need a challenge, you know, and then look for an A team. Um, are you older, you know, and, and do you need to see that, see that exposure, you know, from college coaches and you might want to, to look at A team, B team, uh, and make that decision based on that. Um, you know, roster size, are you going to be 22 or are you going to be, you know, a number, number one, it's good. It's, it's going to matter, yes. right? Cause you're going to be having that playing time. Uh, some of the bigger ones within that is, uh, the culture, mm-hmm. making sure that it's a positive environment for, for everybody. And then within culture, I would probably have to go and say, um, what are the commitment levels of the players? Yeah. Uh, the parents, all, all this stuff matters. You know, what's the style of the play, uh, are they focusing on development or are they focusing on, on wins? I think we can talk a little bit more about that when yeah. it comes to choosing a coach. Yeah. Um, but all that stuff's uh, level of play, right? Yeah. Yeah. Level of play, what league you're playing in, you know, we talked about the SDDA versus DA. So I think we can uh, transition to looking for a coach, which is, yeah. I, I would say arguably probably the most important. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. You've reached the end of part one. Uh, Throughout the episode, Eric and I throw out terms like methodology, development. Uh, These are concepts I need full episodes to expand on. Uh, So we'll be touching on these topics in depth as we we continue. Uh, It's our first episode, so there's going to be some growing pains. Uh, We're getting better and better every day, so keep tuning in. Uh, Stay tuned for part two, where we get into what you should be looking for when choosing a coach. Thanks for listening.